0: what's going on everyone it's episode 28 of journey into paul's imagination i apologize for releasing this podcast episode a little bit late um there ended up not being much going on this week was hoping to get some extra news and also wanted to see uh, black panther wakanda forever a second time to get a, a true review um which i was able to do so so i'm really excited to share my my thoughts about that, and really just talk about the MCU Phase 4 as a whole Um, now that it is concluded with that final film. So happy to talk. We have plenty of news now as the week has gone by. Can't wait to share it all, both from a park standpoint and an entertainment standpoint, um, and two movie reviews. So really excited for it. I have a special guest to uh, cross from me, Miko, is uh, currently taking a nap as I speak, as I'm recording this. So, um, I'm just kidding. It, it's just my dog that's just laying here as as I'm recording. But um, I'm excited to talk about. It. There's a lot going on, and let's dive right into it. So let's get right into the park news. Um, I know I talked about foodie guides previously. One foodie guide I don't think we talked about. I think we talked about Mickey's Very Merry, and we talked about the Disney Springs and the Disney Parks foodie guides. Um, Well, something we released this past week is we also got a foodie guide for the resorts for the holidays. Um, So we wanted to talk through some of those things. Typically for foodie guides, I feel like the resorts we don't get as much in terms of like something that you want to go out of your way. Some of the desserts look cute, but for the most part, I feel like what you really want is either at Disney Springs or they tend to be in the parks. But there are some good things um, that you sometimes see. Over at All Star Music Resort, they have a candy cane latte uh, with peppermint and white chocolate. It sounds pretty good. I believe there's a candy cane latte in a few different places, um, but that will be one of the locations serving it. Um as of December 1st through the 31st, so check it out there. Um oh, moving along, one thing that really caught my eye, and I'm not sure if I'll get it or not, but Beaches and Cream Soda Shop is actually having a holiday shake. It's a cookie butter milkshake with caramel drizzle, holiday sprinkles topped with a Christmas tree cupcake. Um, that sounds delicious. I love cookie butter. Cookie butter is really, really good. Um and I've never really been intrigued by their milkshakes before so I think this is a winner. Um I, again not sure if I'll be able to check it out but if you're a beaches and cream fan, you like cookie butter, that sounds really good. Might be worth checking out. Um moving along, we got rum cakes over at Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort. Um they do have like holiday brunches. Like Steakhouse 71 has a holiday brunch. Something that uh, I wish I got to try, and I guess there's still time to try it, but at Disney's Coronado Springs Resort at the Barcelona Lounge, available now through January 2nd, is a Ginger Snap Cold Brew with gingerbread, maple syrup, and Ginger Snap Crumbles. I might actually try and go, hopefully, before the pumpkin pie latte um, is no longer there and just get both, try both of them. Joffrey's had a pumpkin pie ice latte as well. I'm going to guess that it's probably the same, um, or my apologies. This is a cold brew. I believe that was a cold brew as well. Um, so it might be the same, but hopefully I get to check it out. I love trying different types of coffee and this sounds right up my alley with gingerbread. Um, we got yeah, Mickey Mini gingerbread cookies over at Disney's Old Key West Resort. We also, I see again, the candy cane latte over at the Kona Island coffee bar, um, Trader Sam's has some holiday drinks, the uh, Mille Kaliki, Mai Tai, a Jingle Jammer, which does sound pretty good, Um, and I guess the thing that I probably am most interested over at Disney's Port Orleans French Quarter, um, they have a Gingerbread Spiced Caramel Blondie Bites, and then over at the Scat Cats Club, they have a Peppermint Mickey Beignet, now I know I wasn't the biggest fan of the pumpkin spice, um, but the peppermint Mickey beignets are actually topped with peppermint ganache and candy cane quins, like little little candy cane pieces. So I have a little bit more optimism from them. Um, they sound good. And then lastly, at Disney's Riviera Resort, there's a special Riviera gingerbread cookie that looks really good. Um, and then also, of course, don't forget at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort, the gingerbread tree is up so you could try all the snacks um, that are over at the um, that are over served by the gingerbread. you could also find that I believe at the um, at Disney's beach Club as well so a lot of good food or a lot of good snack options to try for the holidays I'm not sure how many of them I'll be able to try um, We already actually did try one of them. In the parks this past weekend when we went to Disney's Hollywood Studios, we tried the hot chocolate Pop-Tart at Woody's Lunchbox. Surprisingly, really good. I forget how good the Pop-Tarts are there. Um, They're, you know, really good portion size. They're pretty big for what you pay for. Um, It was like just enough chocolate. Like, Lindsay's not the biggest chocolate person, and she really enjoyed it. So if you're over at Hollywood Studios, um, Woody's Lunchbox is by far one of my favorite quick service locations in the parks. And as you guys are aware, I'm not a quick service person. So that says a lot for me to say, but, um, the hot chocolate pop tart, it's definitely a win. and I recommend it. Some other news that we got going, uh, guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind holiday overlay begins November 25th. Unfortunately, I'm blocked out throughout the rest of the month. So I probably will not be able to ride it until next month, but I will of course, uh, you know, keep you guys posted on my thoughts on it. I'll probably try and ride it, honestly, once a week, even if it's in the weekday. Um, just because that's my favorite attraction. I cannot wait to experience what the holiday overlay is like. Something we also got more information about, and this is more so for cast members than it is for guests. Um, but we found out more information about th- uh, the affordable housing project that Disney's been working on. That's going to be over... Um, it's like off to the side like the entrance going towards animal uh Disney's Animal Kingdom somewhat near Flamingo Crossings um there's going to be a community for cast members um including homes to live that are in affordable range i think that's awesome um it's a really great project again it's not really going to affect the guests but um really happy for the cast members happy they're doing this i hope that it actually is affordable um, because obviously what can be affordable to one may not be affordable to all, but, um, I think it's an awesome thing just to be able to provide the housing for the cast members. Um, and honestly, it, it will end up benefiting Disney as well in the long run. But back to some park stuff, we got some more, uh, holiday news and really I should have probably put this as, um, as entertainment news, but we got some updates on the Disney holiday special. So I don't know about anyone else, but for me, um, one of the traditions, and really I'm the only one in my family that probably holds this tradition, is every Christmas morning, you know, like on Thanksgiving, like us as a family, we have a tradition of watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's a family tradition. For me, solo on Christmas, my tradition is watching the – um, Disney Christmas holiday special, which you might know as the Disney Christmas parade. Um, well, we got some announcements on some of the performances that are happening. So there's two event, the, And this is kind of something that has changed over the years, but there's two events or two specials, basically, um, on Sunday, November 27th, From 8 to 10 p.m., there's the Wonderful World of Disney Magical Holiday Celebration um, on ABC. That's hosted by Derek and Julian Hoff. Um, Then, of course, on Christmas morning from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., um, I don't even want to butcher the host names, but we have the Disney Parks Magical Christmas Day Parade. Um, Now, just so you're aware of some of the artists that are going to be there, like I already mentioned, Derek Hoff, Julian Hoff. We have Becky G., Neo, Black Eyed Peas, Chloe Flower, um, David Foster, Catherine McPhee. I'm gonna be honest, I don't know all these people. Jordan Sparks, Megan Trainer, Run DMC. Um, we have a pretty good list of like performers. Um, and now I've actually when I was a cast member, I had gone to the recording of this once before and got to see um, I believe I saw Sierra and Sophia Carson. Not really artists that I follow, but like Neo would be really cool, or even the Black Eyed Peas would be cool, um, I know when the, when Derek and Julian Hoff are there, they always have a big number, so that would be really cool to see, um, but I'm just happy it's back, I really love both of these specials, gets me into the holiday feel, um, so, Sunday, November 27th, and if you have, if you don't have a Christmas or any December 25th, uh, tradition, Check out ABC, the Disney Parks Magical Christmas Day Parade. I love it. It's something I look forward to every Christmas morning. Um, I know there's the excitement of opening up gifts, but opening up gifts and having that on is nice. And I honestly, because I really like it, will end up literally going back and now that Disney Plus is around, watching the um, watching the special over again on Disney Plus. Um. I promised that I would start including in my park news some cruise line news. Well, we found out that Disney Cruise Line is uh has purchased the Global Dream cruise ship. Now we really haven't gotten much information about what this is going to be, where this is going to leave from, is this part of the Triton class, is this is something completely new. All we know is that Disney has purchased a brand or a cruise ship that was built in 2022. It's already built um and obviously they're going to renovate it to you know follow suit of a Disney cruise line um but I'm really excited I think now having gone on a Disney cruise like I want to see the fleet grow I mean there's only five ships right now um the more the merrier of course that will also just help with pricing eventually the older ships are going to be cheaper uh, if they ha- add you know if they add more ships to the fleet so um that's some really good news over there Annual passes. Um, or start with the good news, if you're over in Disneyland, Disneyland Magic Key passes are available. I don't know if they're available yet or if they're going to become available. Um, nonetheless, they're going to be available to purchase again. Bad news is uh, there were some price increases over at Walt Disney World Resort. Um, some of the price increases are, are fairly drastic. Um, we have basically seen one-day single-park tickets that can go up to now up to $180 for one single park for one single day. Um, definitely a lot of money. You know, I know it's it's frustrating to see for a lot of Disney fans. Uh, the prices go up, unfortunately. I don't really have much of a comment on it. Um, Disney annual passes, although they are suspended currently, they also are increasing in prices. Um, so currently the Pixie Dust Pass, which is still available... Still remains at 400 dollars um, or $399. The pirate pass, which is currently what I have, is now gonna be increasing from $699 to $749. Um the sorcerer pass will be increasing from $899 to $969. And the Incredit pass is increasing from $12.99 to $13.99. Now I don't know exactly when this will take place in terms of like renewing your passes, because of course there's a new price point, and there's a discount for annual pass holders to renew, but it won't be as discounted being that there's a new price in place. Um, but it's a bummer, but like anything, unfortunately, with high demand comes increases increased pricing. So it's unfortunate, but hopefully I can help talk about maybe what could be the bright side of it um, because – is the frustration of the price increases justified? Absolutely. Um, I think that when a nobody nobody wants to spend more money for the same product, you know, if we're gonna be realistic. But just and this is just a gut feeling. It feels like Disney might take the route where yes, the annual passes might be be more money, but they might be willing to do more for their annual passes. And I could be wrong. This is just kind of a gut check. But for example, um, this past weekend, day of on Saturday and Sunday, uh, Disney had released a notification through the My Disney Experience app to those with park reservations to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, And they might have sent it to folks with other park reservations as well, but um, we had Passes for Disney's Hollywood Studios on Saturday that there was going to be a special annual passholder viewing of Fantasmic. That's awesome. That's really nice because, A, right now, Fantasmic, everybody wants to see it. It just returned. So to do it day of, it kind of eliminates everyone rushing to make a reservation for it. Um, and it's just like a nice little thing. Like you get to have the day guests, you know, the single day guests, the vacation guests. They have their own showing um, and then a showing in later on that night. And it was nice. I mean, there was a long wait and – or a long line to get in, mainly just due to the quick turnaround time. The original show time was 8 p.m. with the 9.30 p.m. being the annual pass holder show time. That ended up getting delayed to 9.45 just to let more guests um, enter the theater, which worked out really well. But um, it was nice. It was just – I thought that, to me, that felt like, okay, I was appreciated. Like a a show just for annual pass holders. And I'm sure it helps just kind of like spread out the love throughout the parks. With food and wine coming to an end, I'm sure there was a lot of annual pass holders that expected to finish the day at Epcot. You know, with the parties going on over at Magic Kingdom, I'm sure there's a lot of annual pass holders that would spend their Saturday night there. So it benefits them as well. But... It was really nice to have that. I felt like it was really valuable. Um, obviously, we had seen Fantasmic already, so um, it was great as always. But it, it was just nice. I thought it was nice. I liked it. I know personally, like, we had planned to go to Hollywood Studios, but we were going to skip Fantasmic just because the process to wait for an 8 o'clock show. Like, it just – we wouldn't have been able to really spend and enjoy any other time at Fantasmic, um, At Disney's Hollywood Studios. This allowed us to... I'm more of like a late person anyway, so I liked having it. And it was just... It was really nice. After park close, it was really, really nice. Um, I know that currently I saw a report that they're starting to paint the turnstiles um, at the uh, entrance of Magic Kingdom Park gold for annual pass holders. So I'm just hoping that this is kind of like the start of like, okay... We're going to do more for our annual pass holders. Um, And I, I you know, it it should be that way, in my opinion. You know, you pay a lot of money, you're coming there, you're spending money when you're in the parks. Like, special events are good. It's good for, you know, it's good to keep your, your regular guests content. And I mean, granted, they end up, you know, there is... Quick service, you know, there is popcorn booths and everything still open making money when Fantasmic was running. So I'm hoping that as time progresses, um, eventually, I know that they aren't opening annual passes. They're not going to resume annual pass sales by the end of this year. But when they do, there's just a little bit more appreciation towards them. And I, I do think we'll see that. I could be wrong, but this is just the feeling that I personally get. Um, so a new thing for annual pass holders to do, and I will say this in vague terms for what Lindsay and I do, but, um, put higher stakes, uh, when you're on Toy Story Mania, wink, wink. Um, Lindsay and I always, it's kind of a, a thing we do. Anytime you ride Toy Story Mania, um, we kind of place a bet <laughs> and this time around, so we were waiting on the, we were waiting in line for Rock and Roller Coaster. It went down, so we got a Lightning Lane. We're like, let's just do Toy Story Mania. So we did it, and we weren't going to place a bet. Normally, we just bet on like coffee. You know, whoever loses buys the two coffee at Joffrey's. Well, um, we're bet we're about to get on the ride. We don't. we said we weren't going to do a bet, and then last minute we're like, why not? Let's do one. Loser has to buy. The winner a Disney dining. The loser gets to choose where they want to pick, you know, price point of a dining they want. Um, but they have to treat the other uh the other person to Disney dining. Normally Lindsay beats me all the time. Like I, I have sucked at Toy Story Mania for probably the last three years. I was good when we first started dating, but I've I've been really bad recently. Um I got a win against her back in um uh back in September I actually beat her and our friend Sam um they didn't want to give me any credit for it but so I I was ready. I was ready. I knew the stakes were high. Um and I beat Lindsay by like 6000 points. I was I was pumped. I was so excited just because I I've always lose, but long story short, Lindsay's taking me to Tepanito, Uh so I'm pretty excited cuz I love Tepanito. Um it's been years since we've gone, but fun things you could do as an annual pass holder over at disney's hollywood studios but all right moving on to some entertainment news um it looks like tom holland has signed a contract extension to return for another spider-man trilogy um the avengers movies and also potentially daredevil born again that's awesome i mean i love tom holland he's probably one of my favorite avengers um I was a little worried after Spider-Man No Way Home that they wouldn't re-up his contract. Obviously, we had the scare that No Way Home would never happen. We know how that story went. That happened. And now it looks like he's going to be back for a while. So I'm really, really excited. Um, I'm excited to see his character following Spider-Man No Way Home. I think we really saw... I mean, I thought we started to see Tom Holland break out as like, a really good Spider-Man at the end of... Far from home, but I think in No Way Home, like we got one of the best, one of the best Avengers. Like we we got a character who had an incredible character arc, like had to face um, the consequences of his own decisions. And I'm excited to see him return. There, uh, there was always you know conversations about a new Pirates of the Caribbean film featuring Margot Robbie. That is no longer happening, um, which is unfortunate. Would have loved to see Pirates of the Caribbean return um National Treasure Edge of History original series is releasing on December 14th. And now just because you know holiday time, I just want to talk about a, a a short that I feel like everyone has to watch. Especially if you're going to go to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. If you were going to go to the Christmas party or you just want to get into the Christmas vibe, go on Disney Plus and watch Olaf's Frozen Adventure. It's a must, the music's amazing. If you're a Frozen fan, you're going to love it. Um there's some music in that special that are played over at the Frozen sing-along at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And I know it for a fact, at least the best song in the in the special is played in Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, the uh, nighttime spectacular there. So good. Please watch it. I've been convincing our friends to try and watch them. They have not listened to me. And we're going to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party in about two days. So hopefully they decide to listen. Um, as we continue with, uh, Disney plus, uh, Zootopia plus released, which is actually a really cool concept. Um, so it's six shorts, uh, about, about like five, six minutes long, but what it is, it's like shorts that are happening as the movie of Zootopia is going on. Um, so some of the shorts are really intriguing. The Godfather of the Bride is a awesome episode. It's really funny. Um, overall, I, I thought these shorts were actually pretty good. I thought I really enjoyed how it fit into the story of Zootopia. And it's like, you see the story happening and then it's like the side little short story. Um, I haven't been a fan of the shorts that they've done. They did the Baymax shorts that I didn't love. Um, they did the cars on the road shorts, which I wasn't a big fan of. This one actually makes sense Granted, I would still love a full fledged show, um, but Zootopia Plus, it's worth a watch. Getting back to the holidays before I get into some of my movie reviews, um, the Santa Clauses TV series is now on Disney Plus. The first two episodes have released. So, in order to prepare for it, I have not watched the Santa Clauses yet. um, And you guys know I won't review it till it's over, anyways, um, which, by the way, I apologize. I need a rewatch and/or completely, so I do not have a um, a review for. It. I'm gonna hopefully start from the start from the beginning, work my way all the way through. I, I struggle to get into it at first, but um, I do want to try and just see where I end up. But, anyways, going back to the Santa Clauses, wanted to watch the Santa Claus movies uh, in preparation for the show, so I'm gonna rank them from my least favorite to my favorite. Um, and now this has been a while since I had seen these. Well. Since I seriously sat down, like I've watched as background noise, but like seriously sit down and, you know, focus on the movie. Um, So number three, my least favorite, which I remember liking more, but now rewatching it, I didn't care for it was the Santa Claus three, the escape clause. Um, Probably the part I really enjoyed about this movie is the world building of the North pole. I think we really, it's the movie where it's primarily in the North pole, which I really enjoy. Um, and even though I hated the character of Jack Frost, the idea of the North Pole becoming a resort was really cool and clever. Um, but Jack Frost isn't great. His design's really cool, but the character kind of is just corny and really the writing and plot for this movie is really bad. Um, Santa kind of is like ignoring Mrs. Claus as her parents are there, um, visiting in the North Pole. And it becomes evident that Santa doesn't pay enough attention to Mrs. It just, it was, it didn't work well. I mean, it's not a bad movie, but it's, you could tell like, all right, we, we lost the charm from the first two movies. I had number two, I have the Santa Claus, the original unique storyline of a, you know, of how he becomes Santa, um, you know, a divorced man who has a unique relationship with his, um, or really at this point has a bad relationship with his ex-wife um and her husband almost has his son you know sign off and you know doesn't have the opportunity to see him anymore um it's it's the og it's really good heartfelt situation you get a heartfelt ending um and it really you know it's cool to see like character like characters that didn't believe in christmas and santa like all evolve into believing, which was really nice. Um, but my favorite Santa Claus movie is The Santa Claus 2. It's not a perfect movie, but it's a very good movie. The dynamic of um, of Scott now, you know, he's Santa Claus, but now he needs to get married and falls unexpectedly in love with uh, his son's principal. Um, and it's nice because it, it shows because... The one part about this movie I didn't love was the toy Santa kind of like taking charge as the real Santa's down, uh, you know, in the real world looking for for a wife. I didn't love that, but it did show like that Scott's version of Santa Claus was unreplaceable. Um, you know, it, it wasn't just uh, that Santa, like it's Scott was Santa and that was really nice. Um, and just the way that the niece finds out that uncle Scott is Santa was really well. Um, this movie, it just, it's a really good movie. I really enjoy the trilogy. I feel like it's a really good, just really good set of Christmas movies to watch. Um, so the Santa Claus's first two episodes are out, go check it out, but probably recommend also watching some of those movies, um, before getting into the, to the series, I would assume at least. Well, let's take a step back. Let's go back to Halloween one more time. I know I'm a Halloween freak, um, but I saw, a, of course, I saw a Halloween movie um, after Halloween and going into Christmas season. So I had seen all over social media talks about Terrifier two people passing out and all these crazy reactions to this movie. Uh, me as a psycho and loving, you know, I don't want to say loving. I love slasher films. I hate new horror. Um, probably not hate, but I, I don't love new horror. Um, knowing this is a crazy slasher film, I had to see it. So went and saw it, saw it. And this movie is terrifier too, by the way. Um, I didn't see the original, so I don't know how it connects, but I don't, I don't, it never, I never felt lost in the story. Um, but Terrifier 2 is completely unhinged. I mean, this movie is a disaster, yet it's super entertaining. Um, it kind of like takes nods from different horror movies and then basically becomes one of the most gruesome films I've ever seen. I I would say the Saw films are still more gruesome. So if you could handle that, like you can definitely handle this, especially because some of the gruesome is very tacky and cheesy. But... um. If you have a weak stomach, I do not recommend. But what I really enjoyed is, A, when you're going for a slasher film, like, the kills are awesome. They're crazy. They're ridiculous. Like, just the overall feel of the movie gives me, like, 70s slasher film. Like, it. it's weird because it takes place in modern day. But um, but the feel of it is very old school, which I really appreciated. Um, but... Basically, like if I had to explain, like what type of kills are in it, take what you would see in a Saw movie, maybe tame it down a little bit, and put it in a slasher film, and that's what you get here. Um, what I also really like is Art the Clown, the slasher of the movie. He's great; he's so funny um, while also being like a super fearful. Like you feel the fear when he's around, um, and it's all. But also, it's interesting because it's not like. Like, there's maybe like one or two jump scares, but it's not a scary horror movie. Like, it's got, it's a like comedy horror. Um, now, the cons of it is the movie's disgust like, ridiculously disgusting. There's no plot. Like, it, it's a bad movie that I just had fun with. Um, it should not have been two hours long. I think it was a two hour and 20 minute movie that was way too long. This really shouldn't have been any longer than 90 minutes. Um, you probably get, like, there's probably four different scenes where they could have ended it and they just didn't. It's like the movie didn't want to end. Um, but it was fun. And if you're a slasher fan, you'll enjoy it. So I give it a 5.5 out of 10. Um, it's not the worst thing I've ever watched. It's definitely entertaining. Just know it's, it's a bad movie that's entertaining, um kind of like bad fast food it's like you just like it because you like it um and you know it's not the greatest thing but you enjoy it but of course let's get into the review that we're being we've been waiting for which is black panther wakanda forever now i i've now seen black panther wakanda forever twice and i purposely waited to record this podcast until i was able to watch it twice um because truthfully and I won't shy away from this. My first time watching Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, I did not love it. I said as I left the theater that I was gonna that I enjoyed it less than most people. And this was a movie that I was pumped for. Um, by the way, this is full spoilers. If you've made it this far, you know, and you haven't seen it, go see the movie. Um, you can pause, come back later, but go see the movie because it's it's a masterpiece. Um. So let me get into what I didn't like originally about it. Um, I didn't love that it was built up to be a grand finale with a resolution that went nowhere. Um, At first, I felt like the movie didn't move as fast as other people did, and I felt like some scenes were never answered. Most of my criticisms now watching it a second time are pretty much gone. Um, The big, the grand finale, the part that I... I think really made me appreciate this is, um, I saw so many parallels with, um, with the story of Shuri and Namor. Um, something that I had heard a lot of people talking about is um, we we kind of hear how grief turns into vengeance from Shuri. Um, and by the way, Latitia uh, Letitia Wright had one of the greatest performances in MCU history. Like she is so. I know people gave credit to Angela Bassett, and she was great too. Don't get me wrong. But Letitia Wright, I'm sorry, because I can't pronounce her name properly. Letitia Wright was phenomenal. She one of the greatest performances in the MCU. She was so she was perfect. She was so good. She nailed it. Um, although I predicted Nakia to be the next Black Panther, I'm happy at Shuri because. Her character is great. She had a great character arc in this movie. And I'm. it sucks that I couldn't appreciate it until watching it for a second time. Um, but what I really liked is I, at first I didn't see the vengeance side of her until the very end. Till she basically calls uh, for her ancestors and she sees Killmonger. And at first that scene rubbed me the wrong way. I, I was confused why Killmonger was there. I thought it felt forced. But it didn't... Re- I don't think I picked up on her wanting vengeance all throughout the movie, and it really is there. Um, but what I really started to appreciate is, especially with the no resolution at the end, is it's not that we have no resolution at the end; it's that both Shuri and Namor, um, both are suffering, you know, some type of grief. Um, of Shuri, it's of you know Queen Ramonda and Chala. Um For Namor, it's it's still of his mother. Of um, it's still of his mother, and he takes his grief and turns it into vengeance, and feels that anybody who comes close to harming those of the Talakon like an immediate threat need to be taken down. Um, and granted, this is also similar to Black Panther wanting to protect um, the people of Wakanda. I just thought the parallels were really good and it made sense why there was a resolution. Now, granted, one of the cons I still have of the movie is the end scene. I mean, the fight scene is great. Like the end fight scene is remarkable. It just is weird that like mid-fight, when Namor and Shuri kind of call it evens that Namor is basically like, we're done here. And they all leave like that. That's a little weird. Um, I think that scene for a movie that watching for a second time, paced itself so well needed to be slowed down and fleshed out. It would have made a little bit more sense. Um, But I really enjoyed that, that aspect of that. Another thing I didn't love was the Valentina like subplot. Um and I I still don't love it because um Valentina basically arrests Ross and Ross gets broken out and we don't know what happens to Valentina and I know they're setting up something for the future. Um it just didn't really fit that. Like I think Ross helping find riri who is ironheart is about where that scene with him should have cut and that was it and then i'm sure they probably they could have did a post credit scene which i'm glad they did not with him um but overall i'm i'm sorry i'm all over the place because i just saw it again but it just it was a beautiful movie the soundtrack was great um the fight scenes were great. Shuri's character development was great. Even Okoye's character development was really great. Um, Queen Ramon, like Namor, is one of the best MCU villains we've ever had. He is what I wanted out of Gore. Like, I wanted someone who was ruthless, who didn't care, who was willing to do whatever it took to set. Well, Gore didn't have people to protect, but. Namor was just vicious. Like, he he had no problem killing, and he, you know, he did. Um, it was just, it. the movie was almost near perfection. I ended up putting in my top 10 MCU films. The, just, I feel like, I hope that the rest of the future Marvel projects learn something from this movie because one thing that I think, ta- ca- like, caught me off guard is, I mean, I do complain about the humor of MCU films, but this movie didn't feel like an MCU film. Like it feels very different. It's depressing, it's upsetting, I mean, the whole movie is about it's really a tribute to Chala and Chadwick um and they do an excellent job of doing so. Um it just it it's mature. The humor works. It's not forced. Um, each character plays such a crucial role in the movie, and I know there are certain characters like Mbaku, who you probably would have wanted more, but I still think we got a lot of, and is probably setting up for his character to be a huge deal in Black Panther three. Um, it was just great. I did. I do wish we got a little bit more world building of Wakanda, for a mo- movie titled Wakanda Forever. I was hoping we stayed in Wakanda more. Um which it is what it is, but overall, this movie is just, it's a masterpiece. It's really, really good. Um, overall, I originally had it as a 7.5. I am now going to do decimal ratings as well, and I'm giving it a 9.2 out of 10. 9.2 out of 10, and it's my second favorite movie of the year. Some movies, I think, are worth seeing a second time because, For instance, I saw The Batman in theaters once, and I really, really enjoyed it. But my expectations, like I expected The Batman to be closer to The Dark Knight, which it wasn't. And I felt like at times I was a little let down. Like I still could appreciate it was a really good movie. But my second time going in there, knowing what to expect, I, I loved it. You know, and that's how I felt about this movie too. Like I felt like I, didn't, I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't expect it to be as depressing. I think it just, as an MCU film, I didn't think they, they would make a movie this depressing, and they did. And it threw me for a loop. Um, but after rewatching it and just being able to take things in better, I, I really, really appreciated this movie. It was, Ryan Coogler is probably putting up, might end up by Black Panther 3 being the best MCU trilogy of all time. Right now, I think the, in my opinion, the top one is the Captain America trilogy. I think they're all fantastic movies. They're all, I believe, within my top like thirteen. They're all really, really good. Um, we're getting there with Ryan Coogler's Black Panther movies. Um, so this this was great. It was a great movie. It's super emotional. They they perfected dealing with Chadwick's death in a movie setting really well. Um. It definitely wasn't an easy, you know, an easy situation to deal with. But the opening of the film is dark and emotional, and the silence. And well, I guess the one thing before I talk about MC Phase 4, the post credit scene to. And there are some questions, like some plot holes about, like, the plot, um, introducing, being introduced to Prince Chala um, King Chala, or Chala's son, um, there are some plot holes there, um, but I think it was a genius idea where basically Black Panther Wakanda Forever ends with Mbaku wanting the throne, Shuri as Black Panther, but out and away from Wakanda, and then you also have now Prince Chala, who technically, um, would be next in line for the throne and I think this will allow Marvel to continue with Chala in the MCU without having to recast Chadwick Boseman's character so just beautifully well really really well done this is a fantastic movie um for the people who didn't enjoy it and I mean granted I didn't love it the first time either highly recommend seeing it a a second time um I think I could debate for a while why this movie is fantastic because after watching it a second time, I really I really had a different appreciation for it and it's a fantastic movie. So phase four is now over. Uh, phase five will continue. Um, I'm assuming the first project we're gonna get in phase five will be in February with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, but so let's rank it. So we had 16 projects in Phase four. I'm not including I am Groot because it would be 17. I have nothing to to put it, you know, I I'm just not counting that. 16 projects from and I'm gonna rank them from the worst to the best. So and I mean there really isn't a a project that I like completely hate. Um really not a project I completely hate. There's projects I don't like as much. And let me say this. Before I get into this, because there's there's been a lot of folks who have been bashing phase four, like, oh, Marvel's losing their touch. They don't have any direction. I think after Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and we'll talk about this after my ranking, phase four is a lot stronger than you think. A lot stronger. But anyways, let's get into it. We'll talk about just overall thoughts on phase four after my ranking. So I'm gonna go with my least favorite number sixteen, Miss Marvel. Um Yes, Kamala Khan is fantastic. Um, perfect, perfect, perfect casting for Miss Marvel. The character is really, really good. The story just doesn't work for me at all. It's to me, it's super boring for a good majority of it. I thought it had a strong start and was heading and it was giving me like across the Spider Verse vibes, and I thought we were in for a treat. It just never sat well with me. It got really, really boring, and the the finale is solid, but overall, just just didn't do it for me. Number fifteen, I have She Hulk: Attorney at Law. I liked the beginning of it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a breath of fresh air, but a plot was never created ever. <laughs> And for me, like, you need some sort of plot. Even if it's an episode-by-episode episode plot, you need something. Um, and granted, this this show does a good job of basically um, going through the struggles of an everyday life of a woman. Um, the finale is genius. It's very, very unique. And I'll say, at first, I hated it. Next time around, once I found out that this is part of the comics, I actually really liked it. Um, and we do get Daredevil in it. And the episode with Daredevil is one of the best MCU television show episodes ever. Um, it was really good. But even for me, it just wasn't enough to overcome the sometimes what seemed like a joke of a show this was. Um, Tatiana, I forget her last name, but she's an in, in incredible Jennifer Walters, incredible She-Hulk. Her character is – I mean there's a lot of really good characters in the show. I just don't think that I want like the direction of the show. I really would have liked just like different cases, each episode that would have been fine with me. Um, just didn't really care about the direction of this one. Number 14, I have werewolf by night. Hard to really compare this to other shows and movies because it was only a fifty minutes special presentation. Part of it being so short, you don't get a full fledged plot. Um, but the action is really good. It's, uh, it's a lot darker than most Marvel projects. Um, so it was fine. I just, you know, it's short, no plot. I don't know. It was fine. Number 13. I know there's a lot of people that love what if There are some episodes of what if I really enjoy and it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, and there's some episodes I really don't care for. I think for me, it's hard because, and I'm one who loves animation. Um, I can't say that this is my animation style to love it as much. So I, I get why some people really enjoy it for me. I liked it. It was good. There was, you know, I liked that it all culminated together at the end. Um, some ep- some episodes to me, it was just like an animated carbon copy of a story that already happened just with different characters, so for parts of it, I was like, eh, this is fine. So that's my number 13. Number 12 is Eternals. I said this after I saw Eternals, and I still think this sticks. Eternals as a non-MCU project is a lot better than Eternals as an MCU project. It's it's a fine movie. It's not bad by any means. It just, the char- none of the characters stand out for me. I didn't love the idea of basically the fate of the world coming to to an end, you know, less than two years after Avengers Endgame. Um, I just felt like that was a bit much. And also the fact that there's literally a major, like a massive hand coming out through the sky and nobody seeing it. I don't know. There's some questionable decisions there. It's a fine movie. I just don't care for any of the characters. To me, this felt like this should have been a really long Disney Plus series, Um, I know that they wouldn't have had the budget to have the movie that they had or would have had the show that they had, but I just didn't, you know, I thought, thought a show would have been better so we could have really learned about the characters. Number 11, my most anticipated movie of the year and my most disappointing movie of the year, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. This was the opportunity for Marvel to completely and fully explore the multiverse and they didn't they explored i think two universes um wanda was a great villain um and it was cool to get john krasinski as mr fantastic um cool to get professor x back but other than that like the story is just a mess um i i'm not a sam Rami fan i i just didn't love the direction of the movie i felt like there was so much untapped potential um I just really really didn't care for it. and it was too short, way too short. This movie needed to be a lot longer. And also as much as I love Wanda, her um her motives in this movie like were stupid. It was just I want to be back with my kids after in WandaVision, she's okay leaving her children. It just it was a mess. Um really really disappointing cuz I really wanted to love this movie. Number 10, probably an overhated Marvel movie in my opinion, which is Black Widow. I don't think this is a bad movie. I just think we can all agree that it didn't need to come out. And if they were going to do a Black Widow movie, it should have came out probably 10 years ago. Um, The time, you know, I thought that this was going to be a movie that would basically be like a prequel to her and Natasha ever entering the MCU. Um which I would have enjoyed more. At least we could have seen what her life was like, but instead it's like her on the run after civil war. Um, And Florence Pugh's character is great. Um, There's some good aspects. Taskmaster, I like the design of him in the fighting style, but the character was completely butchered. Um, Some of the visual effects were really bad for this. I do love the intro. The intro with the like rolling credits at the beginning are awesome. Um, but I, I think this is a movie that people were just really excited that, yeah, it was the first Marvel movie post COVID. Um, I think people were excited to have Marvel, have an MC movie back. Um, even though it just wasn't the movie people wanted. Number nine, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Another disappointing one for me. Um, I think it probably is the best action of any MCU show. The action with Bucky and Sam are fantastic. We of course got Sam Wilson to become Captain America, which is awesome, but the Flag Smashers are just terrible. They're just the worst possible villains. Carly is just irritating. Um, I forget his name because it's been so long, but like the imposter, um, uh, what do they call him, the US agent? I don't even remember his name anymore. but I actually didn't care. Like, I didn't mind his character. I like how dark the show was willing to get at times, but it just couldn't escape the terrible, terrible villains that the show had. Um, there's some high points, and the action's great, but I think the villains really just kind of destroy the show. Number eight, which I'm hoping to watch again now that it's the holidays, is Hawkeye. Hawkeye is a fun, basically like Christmas Marvel show. Um, Parts of it that I didn't really care for is I didn't love the way um, Wilson Fisk is treated in this show. Don't care at all for Echo's character. Um, So there's some parts that are really like meh for me. I think what it gets is like the show just in general is fun. It's not like an overly, in my opinion, doesn't feel overly serious. Um, It's just like a fun little holiday Marvel Disney Plus show, in my opinion. Nothing crazy, nothing that really moves the needle, but it's fun. Number seven, I have Thor Love and Thunder. Yes, I know a lot of people think that Thor Love and Thunder is a joke, but I do think it has a lot of really good moments. Um, I think going to Olympia or wherever... and my apologies it's been so long since I've seen some of these movies. That was beautiful. I thought Gore um the God Butcher was a phenomenal villain. Christian Bale nailed that role. Um really the biggest issue with it is that it's a rushed like Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness and it just wasn't serious enough. Like to me, I get that um I get that Thor Ragnarok successful because of its humor but this movie really needed to be dark um and it it that's the route should have taken it didn't go that route and basically a lot of the failures of that movie are because it's just not dark in my opinion number six i have moon Knight. um this show was really good i would have liked more of moon Knight, like in character um fighting but i thought oscar isaac had one of the best mcu performances ever he was phenomenal. Um, just the finale falls flat on its face. I mean, we get Oscar Eyes or we get Moon Knight's um alter ego of I think it was Jake, if I'm not mistaken. Um, who basically it it's the finale is really bad. To me it kills it because I thought this could have been a top tier Marvel show. Number five, and I wanna watch this again. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Awesome action, awesome origin story. Mandarin's great. Just overall really visually pleasing um movie. It's just really really good. I want it like it's one of the like normally I'm not like itching to rewatch a Marvel movie. This is one where I'm like itching to rewatch it again. Um because I, I remember really enjoying it and I just think it's an awesome origin story and Shang-Chi is definitely now like one of my favorite Marvel here, uh, superheroes. Number four, Loki. Loki, super creative, super different because it's not all about action in this movie, but it really lets us see like, you know, the actions of, really the actions of Loki split up the multiverse. And I'm really excited to see what this means for Kane the Conqueror. I think that finale was brilliant. Um, the scare and the, f- just knowing what Kang is capable of is frightening. Um, and Tom Hiddleston as Loki just killed, like this was easily his best performance as Loki. Um, moving forward, number three, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I told you how much I love it. It's a great film, great film. There's just two more movies or two projects that I love even more. Number two is probably my favorite show of all time, which is WandaVision. Um, I know most people will be like, this was carried because of TikTok. I think this is an awesome show. You get to basically travel through the decades and have the nostalgia of your you know, favorite shows growing up. Um, I think you get to see how Wanda deals with grief, the just uniqueness of just everything going on of Westview. Like, the world building in what, I mean, to me, it's an awesome show. Yes, the finale might not have been what everyone wanted. Um, and people probably had too high of expectations for the finale because of social media. Might have, this show just, they knocked that out of the ballpark. I love this show with everything in me. But number one, the best project of Marvel's phase four, which is Spider Man No Way Home. I get it. Black Panther O'Connor Forever was an incredible film. I just don't think No Way Home can be touched. I think getting Andrew and Toby back um, was great. Being introduced to Daredevil finally was great. The action scenes were great. You get some of the best villain performances, which were great. It's just such, like, this is one of the best movie experiences I've ever had. And I saw this movie multiple times, loved it every time. Um, I know there's some parts where, like, Yes, they're waiting for the audience to clap, but I just think it's an awesome movie. So that is my ranking for MCU phase four. Cap it off while I have a few minutes. It just, I think that people don't give this enough credit because um, really my number seven, like Thor, Love and Thunder down, a lot of people didn't love. I still think Thor, Love and Thunder is a solid movie. I think Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, as disappointing as it is, is still a solid movie. Eternals, Black Widow, I think they're solid movies. I think we have some solid shows. For me, I think, though, we have like five elite projects. In my opinion, Spider-Man and No Way Home will be considered one of the best Marvel movies of all time. WandaVision, I don't care what you say. It's an elite Marvel project. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, an elite Marvel project. Loki, people love. Most people can uh, consider Loki the best Disney plus Marvel show. And Shang Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings. I'm really glad it got the love that it deserved because it's awesome. Um, we get an introduction to some really great characters. Shang Chi is introduced. Moon Knight's introduced. Um, we get Kate Bishop, which was great. Uh, we get Florence Pugh's character. We get um, we get She Hulk. We get Miss. M- I mean, all the characters that were introduced are awesome, and we get some of the best villains. We got Green Goblin back. Um, I love Agatha Harkness. I thought uh, Namor was one of the best MCU villains ever. Kang the Conqueror was introduced. Mandarin was back and was great. Um, Gore the God Butcher was great. I mean, and we got Wanda too as a villain. I mean, there were some really, really awesome villains, some really awesome characters introduced. I think people that dislike it are probably forgetting like how much fun they have with some of these projects or just hate Marvel. But this is a reset after Endgame. It was a reset. It was, you know, things were turning. There was change. There was a lot of new characters and new villains introduced. Maybe all the movies aren't perfection and that's okay. But the main thing is Marvel's phase four, we got some of the best villains Marvel has ever introduced ever. I mean, All the villains in phase four, like in total, probably are all combined better than anything we've had in the past, if we're being honest. So, and then we just had so many new great characters introduced. I mean, we're probably gonna get some taken away from us, um, older characters, but I think we got a lot of new ones introduced and I'm excited for for the future of Marvel. I think this introduced that we have a bright future. We have some really great characters here and I'm excited for it. But glad to talk Marvel. Um, Next week, I'll be back with episode 29. We'll be talking about Mickey's very Merry Christmas party that I'll be attending on uh, Friday. So if you're not, follow me on Instagram at Journey Into Paul's Imagination so you keep up with all the fun. Um, And if not, you know, we'll talk again. uh, We'll talk again next week. See you guys.